Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm Dave Walker, and I am joined by my partner in crime, Evan Birchfield. Oh, Evan, how are you? I think we're very similar today, DW. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just another day of being a Falcons fan, pretty much. Uh, unfortunately, yes. And in today's podcast, we are recapping the Falcons' unfortunate loss to the New Orleans Saints, 21-16. to This game was in Atlanta. Uh, the Falcons had the opportunity uh, to go against Taysom Hill yet again, and boy, did they squander it. I mean, that's that may be an understatement, actually. Um, this was a painful game, I would say, for the first three and a half quarters, um, I would argue the Falcons' defense played well for most of the game. They obviously gave up three touchdowns, but I think their overall play was solid. This was about the offense, and it was about Dirk Cutter, and it was about uh, you know Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan uh, was uh, you know off uh, throughout the game until really until the fourth quarter, um, and this is also about uh, one of the worst series of play calls I've ever seen in my life uh, in a game-winning drive, potential game-winning drive for the Falcons. Um, and we're going to talk about all of that. But before we do, let's talk about the injuries coming in. Um, the Falcons did come in with some you know, relatively good health. Todd Gurley was back. Julio was back. Um, the only player starter that was out was James Carpenter, who got injured in the last game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Evan, tell us a little bit about the players that made it for the Falcons and the guys who were inactive as well as for the Saints. Yeah, so for the Falcons, uh, Quadri Allison was inactive. Um, Jalen Hawkins, who really hasn't been on the field a whole lot, but during that Packers game looked pretty good before leaving with a concussion. Uh, Tyler Hall, also inactive. James Carpenter, as you mentioned, inactive. Um, and Deidre Sonat, who, you know, he's used to being inactive at this point. Um, on the Saints side of things, um, their defensive end, Marcus Davenport, randomly, I believe, had a concussion, and he was inactive. Uh, running yeah. back, Ty, Ty Montgomery, cornerback, Janoris Jenkins, wide receiver, Deontay Harris, quarterback, Trevor Simeon, who I didn't even know was on that team, cornerback, uh, Grant <laughs> Haley, tight end, Griffin, and defensive tackle, Malcolm Roach. And that was the Saints inactive. So not a whole lot of key players aside from, like, Marcus Davenport. Um, well, so, yeah. Jenkins is... Jenkins was ranked their their best coverage corner. So, mm-hmm. um, actually, he's he's probably their best cover corner. Period. Even mm-hmm. more so than uh, you know, Grabby Lattimore. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I think actually his absence probably did hurt, and I think we saw some of that uh, happen in the game with, especially with Calvin Ridley. 
um, as he was absolutely just abusing the hell out of Lattimore throughout the game. Um, we did unfortunately suffer some injuries in this game, and these are definitely ones to keep an eye on. Um, you know, three guys that have been contributing, uh, they're either starters or you know, uh, meaningful contributors. Uh, and they all happened in the second half. And I, I do have to point this out. One of our writers uh, at the site, Adnan Ikic, um, we, we have guys that help cover uh, during the game when injuries happen uh, during the Falcons game. So we can get those injuries up on the site. You guys can read about it. Um, he covered the first half of the game. Adnan has this freakish streak where he will agree to cover a half of the game and then no one gets injured. The minute he quits covering that half of the game, all of a sudden the Falcons injury started. <laughs> yeah, Stephen Means, wasn't it? Stephen Means who like got up gimpy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right at the beginning of the second half, for like, and Adnan had just gotten, uh, had just celebrated the fact that you know his streak was continuing, uh, and then Stephen Means gets back up. So Adnan, I blame you uh, for the injuries, but uh, in the second half, Ricardo Allen. Uh, did go out and was eventually ruled out uh, with a concussion. Uh, so obviously that could uh, weigh into next Sunday's game. Uh, Jacob Tuyoti Mariner uh, went out with a head slash neck injury. So that one is definitely one to keep an eye on because he has actually been a, a pretty good player uh, over the past yeah, four best pass rusher. If you pay attention to PFF grades. Yeah. Um, so that, that one's going to hurt a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, you, you did mention NFC. NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and he and he is a player that honestly the entire year has been, I think, playing uh, above his draft stock, if you will. Um, he, he's someone that uh, the Falcons have been developing over the last several years, and and he's sort of paid off. Uh, and uh, so that's unfortunate. And then Edo Smith uh, looked like he suffered a head injury, possibly a concussion, and he uh, did not finish the game. And ultimately. Uh, Todd Gurley uh, did finish that drive that uh, either got injured in, and that was the drive at the the second to last drive for the Falcons. If you count their you know twenty seven second drive that uh, truly ended the game, uh, that was the drive that Gurley came in and uh, ran uh, twice, and ultimately uh, just didn't get anything done. If that's that's <laughs> actually an understatement in many ways, yeah, um, unfortunate. Uh, so. What are some of the big takeaways for you, Evan, uh, thinking back on this game and how it went? Um, That the play calling is atrocious. Last week, I halted myself from getting too excited um, with the Falcons pretty much dominating the Raiders. Um, I mean, you see how the Raiders this week, uh, they ended up coming back against the Jets, but like they pretty much should have lost to the Jets, but they're the Jets. Um, Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just... I'm kind of tired of this whole Dirk Cutter thing, wasting all this mm-hmm. talent. Um, anybody who thinks that Dirk Cutter is anything more than a below-average offensive coordinator probably doesn't know a whole lot about football. Um, you watch the game, <laughs> game. It's like there's no game plan. The play calling is completely out of left field, doesn't make any sense. Um, as you mentioned there towards the end, I mean, like they did, it's like third and two. Why are you running Todd Gurley, who is averaging two yards a carry uh, on the mm. ground and wasn't even really getting that much use to mm. begin with? Right. Um, I just, I don't understand it. Um, it's like when they do seem to get hot through the air, it's like they just pull it back because they get into the red zone. I mean, 
you know, Young Wei Koo has been kicking out of his mind and has been the best kicker in the NFL, in my opinion, this year. Yep. Um, but he owes all of it. Well, you know, aside from the actual kicks, a lot of it to Dirk Cutter because the offense just doesn't know what to do in the red zone. Um, oh, it's bad. And that's every it's week. Bad. Like, I mean, if he was on a team with a competent offensive coordinator, he'd still be a good kicker, but he wouldn't have nearly as many points as he has because he wouldn't have to kick the ball that much. Yeah. Um, but that's where we find ourselves, where the offense is just blah, you know, nothing yeah. great. Uh, facing, you know, the best run defense in the NFL, and you're still going to it late in the game with the game on the line. Uh, yeah, I don't understand it. Yeah, and that's – uh, the thing is that on that same drive, Ryan, uh, clearly things were, were clicking for him again. Um, as I mentioned, you know, he was off target uh, on several passes throughout the game. Although, you know, to be fair, I think there was plenty of blame to go around. The offensive line was not giving him a ton of protection early on. Um, wide receivers were dropping, you know, perfectly thrown balls. So it, there was plenty of blame to go around. But, I, you know, I don't want people to accuse me of being a, a un, you know, biased towards Ryan. He was not particularly good in the first half, but on that last drive, he was on point and he mm-hmm. made a fantastic pass to Calvin Ridley. I still don't know how he got that pass off. He was getting hit as he threw it and it was a dime. Um, he was, you know, a big reason why the Falcons looked like they were in prime position to take the lead late in the fourth quarter. And then, as you mentioned, uh, Dirk comes in and decides that all of a sudden Todd Gurley is the man even though he is, you know, he had one good run prior to that. I think it was an eleven-yard run that picked up a first down. Otherwise, was invisible. the The team was actually leaning more on Edo Smith and Brian Hill throughout the game. I mean, he Gurley was at one point had one carry for minus one yards, uh, and I think that was into the second half of the game. So that they had they weren't even using him, and all of a sudden at the very end of the game, they decide now's the time to run him. Uh, so. Uh, just completely a head scratcher ran him on second down and then on third down ended up setting up a fourth and nine. Uh, And then on that, that fourth and nine play call uh, just again, just another terrible, uh, you know, looking at the plays like that's, that's the best you could come up with in the red zone. Um, and, And I think that's, that is why Falcons fans right now are so frustrated. And I said this on Twitter, I'm going to repeat it here on the podcast I don't know how you can evaluate any Falcons offensive player right now with as bad as the coaching is. Like, I don't know how you can separate the players from this terrible coaching to make any kind of meaningful evaluation. And that's across the board. That's with, you know, a player like uh, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, two veterans, but also for younger guys like a Chris Lindstrom and a Caleb McGarry. How do you evaluate them? when they are being asked to do things that are repeatedly stupid, stupid, just stupid, stupid, stupid play calls. Um, how do you evaluate talent when you have literally people on Twitter who follow this team making the play calls before they're, you know, guessing the play calls before they happen? Um, when you watch the defense stacking the box ready for the run as it comes in, um, how do you evaluate the talent when they are being set up to fail? And I think that's what we're seeing now with this team. Um, Evan, let's talk about some of the stats because I feel like my blood pressure is going to go up if we 
<laughs> if we don't, <laughs> let's talk about what the <laughs> what the Falcons' offense did uh, in this game. Yeah, so Ryan Hett went 19 to 39 for 273 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, and a pass rating of 80.4. Um, yeah, no, I mean, not a great day, not a complete terrible day for Ryan, but you could see he was kind of limited by the play calling and what this offense was yeah. doing. Um, and also, there was some wide open drops. Uh, I think the Russell Gage one sticks out to me the most. And you can see he was frustrated by it because on the sidelines, he was like literally punching the bench. Um, but he, I think he earned it when he came back in, uh, made some key grabs yeah. and stuff like that. So uh, the run game, uh, atrocious. Uh, Ito Smith, as you mentioned, pretty much was leading the day. He had eight carries for 36 yards, um, a long of 15. Uh, Todd Gurley was a non-factor. He had eight carries for 16 yards. And Brian Hill had five carries for 18 yards. Um, but, you know, as I mentioned, Saints had the number one run defense in the NFL. So, you know, you can't really expect them to run a whole right. lot uh, against them. And they, even though they tried, but whatever. Um, Calvin Ridley led the day through the air, five receptions, 108 yards, um, no touchdowns, even though one was super close. Yeah. Uh, Julio Jones on 10 targets had six receptions for 94 yards. Russell Gage, as I mentioned, bounced back, had four receptions, 51 yards, and the touchdown reception. Um, Hayden Hurst, really not a factor. One catch for nine yards. Um, can't, don't quite understand that. He's one of them guys where I think um, what you were mentioning about trying to evaluate him. I think with a competent offensive coordinator, he could play you know, a bigger role. He had four targets, but... I don't know. He just didn't feel like he was involved at yeah. all. Um, and that pretty much sums up the offense. I mean, Todd Gurley had a reception for four yards. I think that was one of the first plays of the game. Um, Brandon Powell still being involved, had one catch for nine <laughs> yards. And that pretty much, <laughs> Edo Smith, a catch for negative two yards. Yeah, just kind of. And uh, what about Koo? He, he had another great game, as you mentioned Oh, yeah. I, I mean, we might as well just loop him in with yeah, the offense at absolutely. this point. Um, I mean, he – I don't I, – and I I keep admitting every time, you know, he has these games. Like, I was harsh on him. I didn't think – you know, I didn't like them just handing him the job. But he's absolutely earned it. Um, I think he's like I, – I believe the Falcolic tweeted out that Ku is tied for 10th all-time in Falcons' single-season field goal attempts with – Four and a half games to wow. go. Like, that's absurd. Um, he's one of the – I think he was the leading uh, Pro Bowl vote, vote for kickers. Um, definitely deserves it, even though the game's not going to be played because of the pandemic. But, um, you know, kudos to him. He's completely earned the job, and it looks like the Falcons, I mean, somehow went – you know, they get, if they get lucky with one thing, it's kickers. <laughs> Truly. I mean, going from Matt Bryant, you know, arguably the best kicker in Falcons history and, and ending up with a guy who's uh, really just having an incredible season, uh, deserving, I would argue, not only of the Pro Bowl, but potentially all pro nod. Um, he, you know, that's mm -hmm. that is quite, uh, quite good luck for this franchise. Um, as for the Saints, their defense, uh, you know, they didn't sack Ryan as many times as they did uh, last week, which I guess is uh, 
It's it's hard to talk. Right. It is hard to talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, the guys that did get a sack in this game, uh, David Onyemata had one. Um, Trey Hendrickson, who I think had like 38 in the last game, he had just one sack in this game. Um, uh, <laughs> Carl Granderson, whoever the hell that is, had a sack. Uh, it looks like uh, I thought Cam Jordan had gotten one on what looked like a, a Matt Ryan scramble that lost a yard. Um, he didn't officially get credited with one. Um, Demario Davis, linebacker, had two tackles for loss. Um, and it, honestly, you know, I don't think that tells the full story because you know it, it can't just be oh well Ryan didn't get sacked eight times so you know the offensive line did their job. I, I think he was under pressure, under duress. He was just getting rid of the ball a little bit better than he did again than than he did in the first mm-hmm. game against the Saints. Um, I will say, though, uh, the Saints secondary did not fare as well in this game. And I do think Janoris Jenkins being out was a factor. Um, Marcus Lattimore was absolutely just scorched repeatedly by Calvin Ridley. Uh, either Calvin was making uh, the catches or he was drawing pass interference by Lattimore. So uh, – for, for Falcons fans who repeatedly say that Lattimore is overrated and that he gets away with holding in, in DPI all the all the time, uh, this certainly was the game to back that up. Uh, he, he did not have a good game against Ridley. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know about you, Evan. I feel like, yes, the defense gave up 21 points. Um, but this offense, at least in, in the two games against the Saints, has been the bigger letdown. And for me, it's not even close. I feel like mm-hmm. the defense did enough that they should be able to win. Um, and again, I, I just go back to that last drive and and how close they were to being able to take the lead and then to watch it squandered almost purely by poor coaching decisions um, by Dirk Cutter was the most painful part of this game. And, and I don't know that I wanted the Falcons to win because – I think it would have created, again, um, some faith in Raheem Morris. And I I feel like uh, that that door is closed. Any idea that Raheem Morris is going to be retained as head coach Mm -hmm. is gone. Uh, I I don't see how Arthur Blank can keep around the coach that lost to the Saints twice in this fashion. So uh, I have mixed emotions. Maybe Dirk Cutter did us a favor (laughs) in that last drive by by thanking him. (laughs) <laughs> Just a frustrating game. Any any final thoughts on the Falcons' offense before we move on? Yeah, if I can just add, um, you know, our Matt Chambers did an excellent article this week about the X factor of Cam Jordan going against um, Caleb McGarry, who gave up three sacks in the previous matchup two weeks ago. And, you know, to his credit, Cam Jordan, no sacks. Um, McGarry looked a lot better. Um, not perfect by any means, but a lot better. Um, and that's something, you know, if you're interested in reading, it's a pretty good read on there. Um, because yeah, I mean, eight sacks two weeks ago, that's absurd. And they still gave up, you know, what is it? Three sacks or whatever. That's not great. But, um, I think the, I think what the weak spot on the offensive line for obvious reasons was at left guard where McCray came in and played for Carpenter, who hasn't been terrible this year. Um, but is now dealing with that groin injury. So, yeah. So maybe we'll see Hennessy um, later, you know, next week or whatever. But or uh, I mean, for that matter, a player, yeah, exactly, Gono. a player we've been talking about for the past two and a half years. Uh, Gono has constantly been on the radar and then is just buried on the bench. 
for whatever reason. Um, yeah. So I would love to see him get a shot as a young player with you know some upside. All right. So we're going to talk about the Falcons' defense, uh, and unfortunately, as a part of that, the Saints' offense. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. We are back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is David Walker. I'm joined by my partner, Evan Birchfield. We are recapping the Falcons' 21-16 loss to the New Orleans Saints in Atlanta in Week 13 of the NFL. Um, this was, Evan, I think, um, one of the games where the, the final score doesn't tell the full story of the game. Uh, we talked about the offense in the first half. Uh, I feel like the defense, again, did their part. And especially, I think the biggest frustration here is the offense has the most um, money invested in it, if you will. You've got uh, multiple mm-hmm. first-round picks. Uh, you, you know, you traded a second-round pick for Hayden Hurst, who was invisible in this game, minus the one catch, as you mentioned earlier. Um, you've got Matt Ryan, Julio Jones with the two big contracts, Calvin Ridley, first round pick, um, offensive line with Caleb McGarry, Chris Lindstrom, both first round picks. Um, and you know, just across, you know, you signed $6 million, Todd Gurley, uh, to come in and help the run game. And it, it, the offense did not, in my mind, hold up their end of the bargain. So I want to talk about what the defense did because, uh, ultimately, uh, I think if you're evaluating this team for the future, I'm actually more impressed with what the defense has done over the past several weeks than anything the offense has done. And that includes, by the way, the Raiders game, uh, the 43-6 to uh, victory, in which I think people were overstating, including some people very close to the Falcons. No names are going to go out in my from my mouth. Um, I think some people <laughs> were overstating how good the Falcons' offense was. I do not think they were good in that game. Uh, and that is against... A Raiders defense that was second to last in the league in sacks and not a particularly good defense. Um, so let's talk about what the Falcons defense did because I feel like they're being set up. <laughs> when you have to play a lot <laughs> of the game because the offense is going three and out repeatedly um, or the offense is just failing to generate any kind of meaning, you know, meaningful uh, momentum on their side of the ball. It puts more strain on the defense. Um, so, why don't you tell us about what the Saints' offense did in this game? And I'll, I'll recap, you know, some of the defensive stars. Yeah. So, Taysom Hill finally threw a touchdown <laughs> for the first time since 2016. Um, he was pain. He was painfully efficient, um, dominant, if you will. He went 27 to 37 for 232 yards, two touchdowns, and a passer rating of 107. Um, he didn't make mistakes. Uh, he had that one fumble late in the game, but it rolled out of bounds conveniently enough. Um, 
So, you know, kudos to him. He had 14 uh, car- or rushes, I guess, technically, for 83 yards, uh, one, one yeah. of which was 43 yards. Um, you couldn't stop him. Uh, in the On the run game, Alvin Kamara had 15 carries for 88 yards and a touchdown. Efficient day for him. Um, in the passing game, uh, Michael Thomas had 11 targets, nine receptions, 105 yards. Uh, Traquan Smith had three catches for 42 yards and a wide open touchdown that literally, and I yeah, mean literally, I could have caught. Actually, I, I probably would have dropped the ball, but I, yeah, there was no coverage. <laughs> I don't know how th- how hard Taysom Hill throws, but um, yeah, it, it was embarrassing how wide open he was. Um, Emmanuel Sanders had five receptions for 39 yards, and then Jared Cook, oh lord, uh, three receptions for 28 <laughs> yards, oh, 20 to three, no. and a touchdown. Um, so oh, yeah, I, sorry, I had a flashback real quick, but I'm back and I'm fine. But yeah, they uh, they tore us up. Yeah, all, all uh, fronts. It, it, I want to be clear. Um, I don't think the defense is good. I just think that they have been better uh, than the offense has been. <laughs> so clearly, clearly, those stats make mm-hmm. me look like a fool. I don't want to overhype the defense. I don't feel like they're you know a great defense. I think they've been playing um, better than the offense. They, they've been carrying more weight for this team than than the offense has. Definitely, and they're allowed to have right. a bad game. Like they, I mean, it was a tough matchup. Anyways, I would have rather faced Drew Brees. Looking at these numbers, because Taysom Hill. I mean, 27 to 37, 232 and, and two touchdowns. Um, that Any quarterback who does that isn't going to lose you the game. The problem is Drew Brees isn't running 14 times for 83 yards. Um, right. And that's where they struggled. Yeah. They could not stop the run, which they've actually been a pretty good run defense yeah, they lately. Yeah, the first time. Um, but yeah, they, they just they, couldn't they do actually, anything today. They, they, they yeah, they did. I mean, Josh Jacobs last week was yeah, and, shut down then, completely. Yeah. So, yeah, I know but before he got that, hurt or whatever, they had but... shut him down as well. And and Camara in the first game we played, yeah. they had done a really yeah. good job of of making him a non-factor in the running game. So I do think they deserve credit for that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and in this game, you know, it, early on, Camara was ineffective until uh, it, again, when you're on the field that much, eventually things start to break down, and that, I think that's ultimately what happened with the defense. Um, but yeah, as far as the defense. Uh, sacks on the day. Stephen Means uh, ended up with the only sacks. He had two, one of which uh, forced a fumble. Uh, and that fumble, I believe, was recovered by Deion Jones. Uh, A.J. Terrell also forced a fumble. That's the one that bounced and went out of bounds towards the very end of the game. Uh, and uh, on the day, Deion Jones, Foye Lucon, uh, A.J. Terrell all had eight tackles each. Um, Tyler Davidson, Keanu Neal were uh, second with four tackles. Um, obviously not a ton of good to say about the defense overall. Uh, it, it's more about their ability to show up at, at key moments in, in, you know, they have been forcing a lot of turnovers lately, which I think is something they deserve some credit for. And you've got guys like Stephen Means who stepped up this week. Uh, last week it was Jacob Tuyo T Mariner. Um, and that's what, I see at least with his defense is you've got guys who are stepping up um, at, at random spots, whereas the offense with all of their talent with a Julio Jones, a Calvin Ridley, a Todd Gurley, a Matt Ryan um, are just, you know, they, again, 16 points. 
16 points against the Saints. And the Saints, to their credit, have a good defense. They have a good pass rush. Uh, they've got some good players in the secondary. But it's 16 points. You, you, you've got to put up more points than that. And that's where I, I you know, as poorly as the defense may look at times, uh, in my mind, the offense is just doubly so. Um, but in total, I will say, if you're looking at this defense for the future, I feel good about a lot of these players. Um, AJ Terrell in particular, uh, Evan, I, I, you know, I don't know what your opinion is, but what I'm seeing from him is he is in position to make plays on almost every single play. He may not, he, he may be giving up, you know, receptions like today. I saw him give up a couple receptions to Michael Thomas where he was just, he was in the right spot, but Thomas made a good play on the ball. Um, and for me right now with the lost season, like what this is, the, the Falcons are four and eight. There's no way they're going to make the playoffs at this point in, in a season that's lost like this. I, I'm clinging mm-hmm. to those guys, to the AJ Terrells, um, you know, to the Stephen Means, to, uh, you know, the Foyer Lucans, these younger players that could potentially be contributors for the next coaching staff. Um, am I out of bounds with that? Or do you feel like that some of these guys are worth uh, keeping on? No, I mean, because they've been flashing, even when the team is getting whooped. Um, Terrell has been graded as the, if you pay attention to PFF grades, and I know some people don't care for him, but he's been graded as the top rookie corner. Um, And there was, what, two or three taken ahead of him. I know CJ Henderson with the Jags and um, the Lions got, um, I can't remember. What's his face? I forgot his name. Uh, Yeah. You know who I'm talking about from Ohio State. Um, Because the Falcons were rumored to trade up for him, but they stayed, you know, got Terrell, and he's been, I mean, he's been graded as the top rookie corner. Um, So that's something to look forward to going on. I like Alukan. You know, Stephen Means has randomly been pretty efficient. Um, So I wouldn't mind him like sticking around. I know he's not super young or anything, but uh, you got to build off something. You can't just wipe the whole slate clean and just bring in new guys. Uh, some of these guys are going to stick around just because of cap space and how contracts work. Keanu Neal has, yeah. in my opinion, looked much improved, especially since he's had two, you know, season ending injuries. Um, I don't know what more you could want from him. Um, I think the big problem is Dante yeah. Fowler. Um, I was, uh, it was unpopular, but I was a critic of it when it happened, when they decided to sign him, I just looked at the tape. You look at the stats. Um, he His best seasons were with Aaron Donald, literally probably the best defensive lineman in the NFL. Um, so, yeah, naturally you're going to be better. I mean, Clay Matthews had eight sacks, and he's in on an NFL team this year. Um, you know, Dante Fowler has not looked impressive at all. Um, Denard has had some flashes where he's looked good and then some games where he just hasn't. He was the guy covering Traquan Smith when he was wide open in the end zone. Um, but I think it was more busted coverage than anything. Yeah. Cardo Allen just looks like he's lost a step, which pains me to say because I'm a big fan, but he just looks it. Um, Walker... Michael Walker has been testing yep. or grading as one of the better linebackers, um, you know, this year. So there are players there who could be built upon. It'll be interesting to see what kind of defensive mind they have next. Um, if the scheme changes at all, 
But yeah, there's to answer your question, there are pieces there. You don't need to throw this whole team away. Um, Mariner, I mean, like I said earlier, uh, literally NFC Defensive Player of the Week last week, and it seemed like, a, you know, I know he got injured in the game, but he wasn't getting a ton of usage early on, and then it's, he was out there and ended up getting hurt. So I don't know. There's there's some guys who I wish weren't on the team, but like I said, not yeah, that, this I whole think your defense. point. They're stuck <laughs> with, with Fowler because of the the cap and, and his contract for. They are, and that's what sucks, is he's going to be around regardless, so hopefully he can improve. Maybe if they are able to get him into more of a situational role instead of, hey, you're our best no. pass rusher because he's just not that no, guy. truly. And he's never really been that guy. He, he is good. He is good in a pack, like a pack of dogs. He is one of the better dogs. But if yeah. he's the lone that's wolf, great, great, you're going to struggle. Yeah, and I think you're exactly right. And and that's what we're seeing. And obviously, you know the the quick and, and incredible demise of of Tack McKinley certainly did not help. Um, you know, with him and Fowler, I think that would have been potentially a formidable yeah. duo <laughs> if, if if either of them could have been healthy at the same time, which didn't ever seem to happen during the season. But that ship has sailed. And as you mentioned, you know, we're we're now looking forward to what a new coaching staff will do as far as evaluating these guys and figure out how to use them. Um, and to close out the podcast, I want to say this. Um, the Falcons did not get to play Brewdries uh, at all this year. We, Unless the Saints surprise us and extend him on another contract, which uh, I'm not going to rule out, but the situation with the 2021 cap is going to dictate a lot of that. Um, it's unfortunate that we lost two games to the Saints and Brewdries was not involved with any of it. And yes, I know I'm saying Brewdries. I refuse to call him anything else at this point. Um, The fact that we lost to Taysom Hill in two games against the Saints. uh, And I know, you know, the NFL commanders, the the people up top, they desperately want Taysom Hill to be the next Steve Young. They want him to be the next star. And it's just not going to be the case. The Falcons have made him look better than he is. He has literally played the Falcons twice and the Broncos. I don't think you can crown him just yet. <laughs> yes, the, the, the Broncos, Broncos would literally a quarterback. Had a wide receiver <laughs> playing quarterback. Um, he has not had to face real good competition to this point. Um, and the Falcons lost twice to that team. So in my mind – all of this talk about whether or not Raheem Morris would potentially be able to stay on as a head coach, it's done. It's done. And I know a lot of people are skeptical about Arthur Blank um, and you know his decision-making, but I will say this. When you lose to your hated rival twice in the same year and you lose to them after a bye week, which was two weeks ago. The Falcons came off a bye and still managed to lose to them. And you lose this week in the fashion that they did, where they had the opportunity to win, but literally coaching incompetence led to the loss. I don't see a path for Raheem Morris to stay on as head coach for this team. I, I literally think this game was the nail in the coffin for Raheem and I actually like him. I like him a lot as a coach. I think he has got 
um, the pedigree to be a head coach again in this league, I just don't think it will be with the Falcons. And I think this game cemented that. Um, Evan, do you agree? Do you feel like this is the end or should be the end of the talk of Raheem staying on as head coach? Definitely. And I think for me, it, it was already made up in my mind because of the decision to keep Dirk Cutter around. Obviously, you're not going to transform an offense completely during a season, but he was able to make moves on special teams. I believe the running back coach became the special teams coordinator after they fired uh, Ben <laughs> Kodakwa or whatever. We always mess his name up every week. Um, but yeah, you keep Dirk Cutter, and you know, in my opinion, that pretty much shows it right there that you're not really taking this job seriously. Um, I wanted him to do well, but you know, this this just ain't going to cut it. You're losing to the Saints twice. Um, I think played better or more favorable offenses. Um, say what you want about Dan Quinn and stuff, but earlier in the season, playing the Seahawks and Cowboys offenses, Cowboys offense which had. Dak Prescott mm-hmm. at the time, and obviously, you know how that game went. Um, those are those were top offenses, um, you know. And now you see how the team is now. Not still not making any changes on the offensive side of the ball, which was the problem two weeks ago when the Falcons literally just kicked field goals. I think it was nine points that they put up. Um, now they put up sixteen. Tough defense, but the Falcons' offense. Under a competent offensive mind probably would have scored or at least not ran the ball with Todd Gurley in that situation. So I don't know. I I wanted Raheem Morris. I, I like him, but um, there's just nothing there. You know, I, I know the record has improved a ton under him, but even so, you got to just get a clean swipe of the whole staff. Uh, bring in some new people, bring in, you know, the new GM and stuff like that and let them figure things out. But yeah. I think we need to turn the yep. page I on the past. Yeah. Because you can. You can't change the players because that's how yeah. contracts yeah. work, but you can Absolutely. change the stats. I can agree so more. Change them. Well said. Um, the Falcons have four more games. The next game is on the road against the Chargers, who many people call the Falcons of the AFC. <laughs> Uh, I, I imagine oh God, we'll see uh, the fourth quarter uh, <laughs> be just a repeated uh, back and forth of losing the lead. Um, they they finish up the season uh, next week against the Chargers, then they play the Buccaneers at home, on the road against the Chiefs, and then last game in Tampa Bay against the Bucks on January 3rd. I suspect Raheem Morris and the staff will be fired on January 4th. So, Evan... Why don't you remind our listeners where they can find you, what you've got going on? Um, you can find me at thefalcolic.com. You can find me on Twitter at Evan Birchfield. Um, I do a lot of the injury reports uh, that happen pretty much Wednesday through Friday. Um, and those give you kind of the best knowledge on who to expect that weekend, who's banged up, that sort of thing. So, Check that out um, and just read all of our content at thefalcolic.com. Um, some really good stuff going on right now. I know Eric <laughs> Robinson slowly dipped his toe into the draft uh, season because, I mean, I, technically the Falcons before today had a chance to make the playoffs. They were in the hunt for one of the wild card spots. Pretty much eliminated today yeah, if it, you were holding out hope. It's done, it's folks. The, the Falcons will be... 
uh, <laughs> they're yeah. not making the playoffs. They are not no, making there's no the playoffs. Chance. Hot take. Um, okay, <laughs> as for you guys, you can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Uh, updates on this podcast at FalcoholicPod. And as I haven't mentioned, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. Got four more to go, folks. Stay with us. We will be back here next week with the post-game podcast, recapping whatever the hell happens in the Falcons game against the Chargers. Um, So for Evan Birchfield, this is David (laughs) Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.